goal chance for Conor McGrath here and he'll surely give it in Conor. What a goal! Mackey heading it towards the 21 metre line. Keep Mackey chance. still going. Go on, your boy. Goal is on for Cats. Oh, what a goal! I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne. If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly, but will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Did a small change before the game worked the street. I've been a look, Donovan, Donovan Connor, wild effort on goal. It's oh, over! Oh, it's oh, over! Equalizer! All right, it's Friday afternoon. You're very welcome along to the Friday GA podcast. All brought to you with thanks to Liberty Insurance, proud partner of GA Hurling and Camogie. I want to begin this week by issuing an apology for last week. Apology, I suppose, Dev. Initially, that I wasn't present to be part of the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners got over that pretty quick. Um, and secondly, that uh, at some point in the week, the uh, podcast became unavailable. Oh, did it? Yeah, we had our best people on the case on Friday, very late into the early hours of Friday morning and early Saturday morning, uh, Friday night and Saturday morning, and it just couldn't be solved. It's a technical issue beyond our powers. So a bizarre, a supernatural occurrence. A Nathan Murphy was trying to fix it on Saturday morning and uh, just didn't have the capability. Ultimately, right. was the uh, well, you know, which we generally associate with things wouldn't be his forte, so we won't hold that against him. Um, and speaking of Nathan, he's absent this week. I'm Adrian Barry. You're Dave McIntyre. Sure am. Uh, Nathan has kind of taken a self-imposed ban, media ban this week <laughs> in light of events elsewhere. He said that he was going to do it, Dave. He said that if we travel down to Mayo. That he'd, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd put himself up with open jail. arms. Yeah. But then we, we was having Dave hopped in the car yesterday. We went, you know, got far as that loan and the phone rang. Nathan, Nathan's mother, Nathan can't do it. He's going right. to have to play out the, uh, the thugs around Ballyhonas, wherever he's from. Where's he from? That's exactly where he's from. Yeah, he's going to have to play with the thugs around Ballyhonas and just couldn't do it. And So then anyway, later in the day, myself and Dave were listening to Spin 1038 and sure enough, a story appears saying that Dave and Adrian have sensationally pulled out of this week's podcast, <laughs> misrepresenting the story entirely. Yeah, I can see where you're going with this one. Really? <laughs> I can see, I can get a hint of the background to this. Yeah. So look, Nathan isn't here. Everyone's kind of happy about that. I'm sure the uh, people tuning our way are pretty pleased with all that as well. Um, and I'm looking forward to much more discussion this week. We've got two uh, All-Ireland, the final two All-Ireland football qualifiers to look ahead to Donegal against Armagh. Uh, on Saturday, that's our live game on Off the Ball. Sean Cavanagh, Billy Joe Padden, and Woolley uh, will be there. Hopefully, there'll be a few more efforts to um, corral Kieran McGinney, Paul Grimley, Kieran McKeever into having yeah. a few words with us. Well, I don't Unlikely. think Kieran McKeever is going to be involved. Um, the corralling of McGinney and Grimley certainly isn't easily done. We will do our best on Saturday, as will the print guys, as will the rest of the radio crew, and whoever's there for the various TV stations. It's unlikely anybody will have a huge amount of joy, but look, it's their prerogative and it's a human right to not speak to who you don't wish to speak to, as Paul mm. Grimley so aptly put it during the week. And look, let's, we've, I think we've talked enough about this media band, yeah. this messing around. Yeah. I think the GA are really starting to get cheesed off with it. And um, that was clear to see later in the week when the, the press conference that was suddenly became the press conference that wasn't. Mm. And look, they've, 
if they're looking to draw attention to themselves they've succeeded spectacularly well and let's just leave it at that yeah because I would have thought that was actually counter to the whole idea of what they were trying to do but uh, alas there we go so uh, that is Donegal Armagh on uh, 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon our live game it'll follow, be followed by Dublin against Monaghan we'll get into all of that shortly as well and then on Sunday the first of kind of hard to believe it the first of the All-Ireland Hurling semi-finals Kilkenny up against Limerick back at Croke Park uh, Dave you'll be there alongside Dahi Regan and we'll have the uh, Dublin hurling manager I think it's still safe enough to call him that for the time being he he, re- he remains the Dublin hurling manager just like Clare remained oh, the old hurling yeah, champions okay, I'm with you <laughs> I'm with you I'm with you okay because um, I did hear him talk about us when he talked about Dublin uh, when he was on <laughs> FM, uh, the other day and, and he will continue to do so yeah maybe maybe after the time point in time arrives that he's no longer the manager whether that's in the next few weeks or whether it's a year from now yeah because he I'm has sure. spent that much time down in the capital I'm sure Joe Malloy will uh, get all of this information out of him on uh, on Sunday afternoon to can tune our way one o'clock uh, come Sunday. Uh, also looking forward to a little bit of uh, discussion about the Malin brothers over the course of the next little while. <laughs> the Malin brothers kind of took yeah. uh, took legs. They followed they followed in the great footsteps of the the McEntees, the McNulties, the Baggios, the Baggios, <laughs> <laughs> the Kernans. <laughs> the Malins. Well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one to fall no, foul of the whole Malin. I, uh, I presume that Kevin McStay took your lead. That was that was my assumption. Was that well? If Kevin McStay had taken my lead, he'd obviously tuned in just for that moment, and then had tuned out immediately after Sean Cavan had corrected me live on air. Ah, well, that could be possible. So, um, you know, while I was uh, clearly in the wrong on that one, I did try and lighten the mood with reference to George Hamilton and USA '94. And he can in, continue to insist that the Baggio brothers were indeed brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and by lightening you mo- the mood, you mean, look, this other guy's done it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's a fine. legend of Irish broadcasting <laughs> has done it, so I'm not in bad company here. And I did then call the Ganey brothers brothers the following ah, day. Ah, cousins, And I, um, I saw Daryl Shea furiously scribbling on my programme. Yeah. And whatever he wrote, it was, if a doctor had written it, it would have been more legible. <laughs> because I was looking at him while still commentating going, what, what what what's that way? And then he had to do it in uh, capital yeah, letters. Yeah, yeah. Cousins. <laughs> oh, I see, Grant. These no are the uh, the little things that go on behind the scenes <laughs> exactly. that uh, nobody really knows a huge matter. But at least you got their name, the spelling of the, the pronunciation of their name correct. Because I've heard them, I've heard everything from Gini to Gini. But yeah, Gini I'm pretty it sure it's Gini. It is Gini. I yeah. would be pretty sure. Yes. Donegal against Armagh, four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Armagh beating Meath uh, last Saturday night. Pretty heavy conditions, Dave, as you said. It was a game that you called uh, live on the radio. These two haven't played in the championships since 2010. Um, a game which uh, Donegal won and... Which Ar- Armagh won. Which Armagh won. So generally seen as the catalyst yes. to the Jim McGuinness era. Yes, and and I, by all accounts, it's expected to be a reverse of that result. This yeah, weekend. you would expect Armagh to be beaten on, on tomorrow because Donegal, maybe a couple of years further, well, they are a couple of years further down the road in terms of their, their long-term development. They're definitely a lot closer to the 2012 form than we've seen them since they won the All-Ireland in September two years ago. And I just think they will have too much of them. Now, there are a couple of kernels of real optimism for Armagh. No, apart from the fact that they're taking serious momentum into this game. And they've beaten a couple of half-decent teams. Not great teams. You know, Tyrone would be in the top 10. Meath would probably be in the top 10. They're not, you know, barometers by, barometers by which you would predict that Armagh will be getting to semi-finals or finals mm. but they're good wins they took Monaghan to a replay and they dispatched with Cavan and Ross Common as you would maybe expect them to do but far easier than anyone would have thought they would have done mm. so they're, they have plenty of reason to be optimistic it's an incredible achievement to get to an all a quarter final in Paul Grimley's second year in charge they're just up against a really grizzled 
chiselled team that know how to win quarterfinals. They hey, they've won their last uh, two of the last three Orlando quarterfinals, and they're just a team that are back on the rise again. It's going to be very tough for Armagh to win this game, but I think they'll make it extremely difficult for Donegal. This mm. will be the kind of game you might expect to be close for 50, 55 minutes. Maybe Donegal kick a couple of points in succession and suddenly it's just too much for Armagh. Now, it is an interesting point that you raised there about where Armagh have come from in many ways. And, you know, let's not overly uh, dwell on the media ban, but safe enough to say that Paul Gremley hasn't come out of it especially well, I would think. Um, well, off the field, but, he hasn't. On but, the field, yeah, he but this, a lot That's of exactly the point. Yeah. Who the hell cares? Like 12 months ago, um, Paul Gremley was having to apologise after an embarrassing defeat to Cavan mm-hmm. in the Ulster Championship. Uh, he had people saying that he hadn't a clue what he was doing. He himself felt that he had let people down. He had a quote here from him here. Uh, after that game as to what went wrong you may or may not know we've adopted a very attack minded approach from the start of the year a high pressure high risk strategy which was practised throughout the league with limited success so here he was saying this is block one of this house that I'm trying to build you got to bear with me he actually went on to say that there isn't a plan B there is no plan B folks <laughs> because I'm so, trying so hard to make sure the plan A needs is what it needs to be um, and here we are a year later sure of, there's no later. sign of plan A yeah, plan well, A uh, is blowing away in the breeze somewhere around South Armagh plan B has been instigated and turns out plan B's bloody good one so it's a bloody good plan so in terms of in terms of the very attack minded approach high pressure high risk strategy that was practised throughout the league that he talks about last year where's Armagh's having watched them a couple of times this year where's Armagh's game at well completely the opposite extreme of whatever the original plan A was they have gone to plan B they are getting plenty of men behind the ball and they're trying to break like Donegal would have over the last three or four years under Jim McGuinness particularly in 2012 where Donegal had just as many men behind the ball but when the ball was turned over they committed far more men to the attack than they did the previous year in 2011 but when the games were really low scoring when they won the All-Ireland Donegal were, were among the highest scorers in the country that summer and Armagh are trying to do something similar and they're allowing their cornerbacks and wingbacks just to go forward completely abandon the defensive post when they need to and that's why you're seeing Andy Mallon on the score sheet you're seeing Mark Shields on the score sheet mm. Brendan Donahue's getting on a lot of ball Kieran McKeever until he was injured for the fourth round qualifier against Meath was getting on a huge amount of ball in between the lines and laying lovely foot passing into the corners and then they've got guys up front who are starting to play well Aidan Fork is having a wonderful championship Stefan Campbell's having a really good championship at midfield Aaron Finden has been a wonderful find in the middle of the field and Kyle Carragher in his first real season he's 26 but this is the, his first championship season he's been a really good addition to the squad as well we know what Jamie Clark's capable of and Tony Kernan is having a brilliant championship so they've got players who know exactly what their roles are all over the field and when they, when they need to take their chances they're taking them and that's why they beat me because me created just as many opportunities but Armagh were far more clinical so 1-15 to 15, they've got pluses all over the field mm. and it's a defensive system that clicks into an attacking system as soon as the ball's turned over and teams like Meath and um, Ross Common have just played into the hands by bringing the ball into the Armagh defence having it stripped from them and then Armagh try and hurt them as quickly as Donegal hurt the likes of Kerry and Cork in 2012. Mm. 1 to 15, this is a point that's kind of made a little bit that Armagh have no, there's this certainly perceived lack of strength and depth for Armagh. They've got decent 1 to 15. And we saw obviously Aaron Kernan come off the bench the last day. She was say the half back line chipped in with a few scores. He got two points. Shields got a point. But looking across the Armagh bench, which is not including um, Aaron Kernan obviously from the last day, Stefan Forker, Grugan, Brian Mallon, Ethan Rafferty, like the decent players. I'm not saying, you know, this is a tier one team, but it's not as if there's 
because that nobody else exists outside one to fifteen. Yeah, and man. particularly Grugan and Brian Mallon. Mallon came off the bench, kicked. Was it two points he kicked the last day against Meath? And he, yeah, two points he kicked. Come on for Aidan Forker, who was playing extremely well. Aidan Forker against Meath, and then you had Rory Grugan as well, and he show, he showed real balls of steel when he kicked that equaliser yeah. against Monaghan in the drawn game up in Clonus in the Ulster quarter final or Ulster semi final. So and Stefan Forker, like is a former minor star, he's come off the bench as well. So they don't have the strength and depth, say obviously that a Dublin would have, for example, or maybe a Cork would have. But they do have options. When Paul Grimmie looks to his subs, he doesn't see just a, a whole sea of nothingness. There are options there for him and, and guys who've come off the bench and clearly enhanced Armagh for the final get um twenty, fifteen, twenty minutes of the season. They've got scores from the bench in every game. So certainly not the strength and depth of other counties, but it's not a it's not a barren wilderness outside of the starting fifteen. He's building a squad. Yeah, um, it was interesting to hear Sean Cavanagh on co commentary as well last weekend talking about the he's certainly hinting at some issues with the Crossbow Line boys and potentially that uh, being the reason, obviously behind this sort of uh, Aaron Kernan. Have you uh, described him yourself? I have a quote here somewhere. Um, one of the most elegant footballers in the country. He is. You're just a step away from saying he's one of the best footballers in the country. Well, I don't think Aaron as regular is, listeners I don't think Aaron would, would stand here and tell you that he's one of the best players in the country at the moment. I think three or four years ago he definitely was. Yeah. But he hasn't played a huge amount of football. He had injury issues in the start of the year. But his left foot is glorious. Mm. He has a really beautiful, stylish left foot. And he just carries himself around the field in a real elegant style. This Cross McGlenn thing, like, I don't know how much you can put in behind it because Jamie Clark certainly has had no issues. He started all of the games. Kyle Carraher was brought into the Armagh senior squad It essentially relates to it's a current to the issue current, I think, isn't it, rather than a Cross McGlenn issue mm. um, like James Morgan is with, from the Cross team as well and he's started every game of cornerback so I don't think it is a Cross McGlenn issue there may have been something with the Kernan brothers maybe related to their father Joe I'm not sure but Tony Kernan didn't start the first couple of games he started all the games since and Aaron obviously started the last day he started two of the games you'd imagine Aaron will start again particularly if Kieran McKeever what's the story of McKeever is he, he will be. No. well he was on crutches on Saturday he did not look like a man who was going to be involved should they win in a quarter final he was the man who was penciled in for that press conference that wasn't earlier in the week mm. and I everybody seemed to understand that it wasn't he wasn't on the list because he was the captain he was on the list because he wasn't going to be playing yeah and it turns out there was no press conference yeah. anyway so we Himself never really Peter got to find out. yeah yeah there was actually there was a couple of nice pieces that I've read this week in the Belfast Telegraph it's really a good source of knowledge Declan Bogue particularly yeah um, they I think Belfast Telegraph is one of the publications that Paul Gramley and Armand that he has been speaking to, to. yeah yeah, this yeah. Summer, um, but it was a really nice piece in it sorry about, about Kieran McKeever from it's so, at some point in the last decade when uh, McGinney was still playing with Armagh and McKeever saying how much of an influence um, uh, McGinney as captain had been on him and just all this sort of lifestyle ultimately like it's not just that you look around and you see this amazing guy in the pitch beside you but like all these lifestyle things yeah. you know we know that so how you look after yourself green tea, how you train green tea Dave was one of the yeah, things that was how you behave yourself off the field yeah yeah, yeah and look he's cuts, he's very much cut from the same cloth as McKeever isn't he he's quiet just like McKeever uh, McGeaney was what did I call him McKeever mm. McKeever's quiet just like Kieran McGeaney was he's you know this bulky robust guy who's got the skills as well there are an awful lot of par- uh, parallels between the two players obviously Kieran McGeaney maybe was the better footballer of the two but I mean the heart that Kieran McKeever has then bravery and his ability to keep his team in games and like I said in this podcast previously, he doesn't get enough credit for his ability with the ball in his hand either. Mm. People just see him as this uncompromising defender, this really grizzled guy at centre half back or wing back as he had played this summer. But no, there's certainly more strings to McKeever's bow than people see sometimes. 
and it's interesting but I guess McGinney would have had that uh, influence pretty much everybody that he ever played with Just one final point before I leave this uh, game the Donegal attack uh, McFadden has scored just one point from playing the three games they've played uh, so far it's just six in total Michael Murphy struggled for a little bit of form as well um, has obviously been wandering further out the pitch but three points from play nine points in total so far yeah, I think Murphy's having a far better championship than people are because, no, be, because people, people look at the scores and they go already exactly. not scoring but it's all the other like, things you're doing a yeah. couple of the scores what, give me those figures again three points, from, uh, three points from play nine points in total uh, there are nine points in total two of them have been one of the, two of the greatest frees mm. that have ever been kicked in the history of Gaelic football yeah. and I'm not exaggerating one of them in the months Ulster final against Monaghan must have been close to 60 metres he had no options he picked the ball off the ground and he drove it over the bar with the outside of his boot and it was I was there were gasps in the commentary box it was up there with Sheehan's free from the ground against Cork in the Munster final and Tony Kernan's free from the ground against Roscommon in the qualifier at the Hyde just utterly sheer brilliance mm. and he is being forced or been asked to spend the majority of each game 60 metres from the opponent's goal that's why he's not getting more than three scores in play yet he's having a huge effect on every game I think Michael Murphy's having a really good championship and he's not being used in his best position but Jim McGuinness is using him in a position where he thinks Donegal will win the game yeah. and you can't argue with it yet so far because they've won all of the games and I presume that sort of trend will continue everybody's kind of predicting a four points to three uh, but yeah, in this game uh, on Saturday afternoon I don't quite think it'll be like that but uh, um, as we said at the very outside of this conversation, Armagh have beaten Donegal three times at Croke Park since 2003 and uh, I expect that to be turned on its head. I expect yeah, Donegal it will win be, this. I, I think the word you'll probably hear me use about 40 minutes into this commentary is absorbing. I think it's going to be fascinating. But you would, all, you would just feel that eventually Donegal, their, their better quality will tell and they'll end up winning the game maybe by four points. As, you're not use, as long as you're not using the combination of words brothers and Malin in some combination. Well, I, well, be, well I could say if one Malin passes the other and I might say not brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, six o'clock throw-in on Saturday at Crook Park is Dublin against Monaghan. Dublin are 20 to 1 on to win this game. It's a quarter fight. We're down to the last eight and we have one team who are 20 to 1 on to beat another I mean you know and the interesting point about it is Dave as well that we had I mean everybody had spoken about Monaghan at the start of the year well specifically Brendan Devenny a few weeks back spoke about Monaghan being All-Ireland contenders and then so they get beaten by Donegal they kind of scrape out that extra time win over Kildare last weekend and we might get into the implications of having to go to 90 minutes as well in a little bit but just the idea that Monaghan were whatever about All-Ireland contenders you were certainly talking about them in the conversation of the final four or five teams left and all of a sudden they're here in a quarter final against granted against the most fancied team in the country and they're 20 the Dublin are 20 to 1 on well Woolley and Devaney were well short of the mark well wide of the mark when they made those comments in fairness, in fairness, that, in fairness I don't think Woolley was winning well, I, I don't think they, anybody pulled him up on it mm. I think he was Col- Joe Colum just beat was it Joe and Column? No, it was me. me and it was me, Column, and Anthony Miles. Okay, well, none of you in studio. And I was told just about to make the point. Talking rubbish. Yes. Well, ah, no. Ah, I think I think you'll find I think you'll find there was certainly a degree of look. Devaney was the point that he was putting across was the quality of a couple of the um, Monaghan forwards, and so I was literally about to make the point that okay, hang on a second. You talk about those couple of fours and you multiply that by three because you've got such quality in the Dublin fours. You can't compare. And that's the ultimately the point that Woolley made, which I would have thought was a rebuttal. You didn't well, take it like that. Brennan is on our panel tomorrow where we have a special yeah. GA pre-quarter final panel for two to three live from Crow Park for chair. So we can put these 
questions to Brendan again and ask him to what extent he's changed his mind. I'm sure he has because they're facing Dublin. Look, I never thought they were all Ireland contenders. You talk about two forwards. Kieran Hughes is far from prolific. Really effective, but he's not a prolific score-getter. Um, I was talking to Jim Gavin yesterday, yesterday morning in those early Dublin press conferences. Mm. And Jim was going through the Monaghan forward line and he was talk, telling us where they were getting all of their scores from. I think it was just more... Um, speak from Jim to be honest because I don't think Jim would believe that Monaghan are a prolific scoring team mm. you take McManus out of the team Paul Finlay hasn't scored from playing this entire championship he won't tomorrow either he just scores from freeze again great left foot anything on the right hand side of the field within 50 metres chances are Paul's going to stick it over the bar he's one of the best in the business but he's not going to hurt you from play Hughes is being wrapped up in fact he spent the majority of the game against Kildare in around his own half back line and De- um, Jim Gavin then went through all of the defenders and go-, go forward and get a score but they might get one point like it's not going to be enough to beat a Dublin team that will score 215 tomorrow Yeah, it's also a pretty unfair gauge of Monaghan's season that ultimately the two teams they get beaten by are Donegal and Dublin Yeah, I mean they had a great chance to beat Donegal but circumstances have told against them given that they had to play in those conditions to get to extra time against Kildare and they have to play Dublin a week later. Yeah. Now if they had been, ended up in a quarter final with one of the other provincial champions from if they were playing Kerry or if they were playing Mayo you might give them a better chance I wouldn't give them a much better chance but you would give mm. them a better chance. So they've been lucky in that they've ended up against Dublin a week after having to go through what they did a week ago. Lucky? Unlucky I mean. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So look it's just the way things have worked for them but they aren't going to get anything close to the scores they need to beat Dublin tomorrow Dublin will try and kill Monaghan in the first 20 minutes having seen what happened the previous week and Monaghan only conceded one goal in their previous seven championship games before last weekend and Kildare cut them asunder mm. three times in the first half two of which led to great goals from Emmett Bolton and then a third time in the second half when Eamon Callaghan should have put the ball in the back of that and he ended up grazing the uprights and that would have been a seven point lead for Kildare the game would have been over yeah. and Monaghan's defence looked really porous a week ago and they're going to be even more fatigued now. Mm. And Dublin are just going from strength to strength. So ultimately, any conversation about the rights and wrongs of uh, trying to create a case here for Monaghan, like people will talk about the fragile Dublin defence at times. But I mean, ultimately, it's, it doesn't yeah. actually matter. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if it is if it is fragile this weekend. Well, it's the fragility of the Dublin defence as well is a little bit of a misnomer. Yeah, it's the 10th that, championship yeah. game that Jim Gavin has taken charge of. They've scored 20 in the previous nine, which is a great return. But they've only conceded seven in that run of nine games. Now that's not a full back line that's been breached time and time again. Three of those were against Kerry in one game. Yeah, all right, Dave. Well, uh, Brendan Vanny makes the point just to wrap on this Dublin-Monaghan game that uh, essentially Monaghan is the ideal team for uh, Dublin to be playing at this point, that they kind of give them a chance to have a run out against a defensive setup before inevitably, uh, as he puts it, um, playing a team that can do better in the next stage, i.e. Donegal. And I think 22 and on says it all for me. Yeah, well, we said on last week's pod that when Jim Gavin was sitting down with his cuppa to watch Monaghan Kildare, he would have been hoping for a Monaghan win. Yeah. Because he knows that will help him lay at the blueprint for what could potentially be in the way in the semi-final. He's got that now. I don't think they'll be anywhere near as defensive as Donegal in terms of their ability to stifle Dublin. But yeah, Dublin win the game. I think it's just a question by how much. Yeah, look, we don't have a huge amount of time here, David. I want to uh, have a quick chat about Kilkenny Limerick. Uh, you'll be at this one alongside Dahi on Sunday. Anthony Daly will be in the studio to watch it as well. I was a little unsure of uh, Limerick before the Wexford game. They'd beaten Tipperary by two points, lost convincingly uh, enough to Cork in the Munster final, obviously, and then had 3.15 mm. uh, to spare against uh, Wexford. But for all of that, I'm still not 100% convinced by them. Maybe it's through the quality of the team they're playing on Sunday. 
Perhaps it is Kilkenny, yeah, so that's, that's a fair point. I think Limerick got too much credit for the performance against Wexford and not enough credit for the performance against Cork. All of which means that it's somewhere in between because they should they could have beaten Cork. They could have been seven or eight points up yeah. after ten minutes. They had goal chances they didn't take. Cork had goal chances they took them. That's why Cork won the game. And Cork are in an All Ireland semi final and every, a lot of people's favourites to win the All Ireland. And they absolutely blitzed Wexford out of the out of Semple Stadium. And I think they will have taken a little too much out of that game. Maybe not the manager team, but certainly journalists and Limerick fans. So they are somewhere in between. I think they can give Kilkenny a serious rattle on Sunday. Bleeding journalists. I really do. I think they're going to bring huge physicality, massive intensity, and it will be two teams that are absolutely top of their game, yeah. crashing into each other. This could be the game of the summer. Wow. It could potentially be. I really think so. Because Limerick are experienced now. They've been to Croke Park last you year. See, no, just so, sorry to cut across you there. That is an interesting point. And it's something that Brian Cody has spoken about uh, in the last little while. He uh, talks about Limerick having a great blend of youth and experience. But actually, uh, they don't. I, the only two players that played in the 2007 All-Ireland Final, uh, which Kilkenny were beaten by Limerick, uh, that still feature Seamus Hickey and Donald O'Grady. And I'm figuring, I couldn't find out an exact age, I'm figuring Seamus Hickey's around the, still only around the 26 age group um, you know so I mean you compare that to the likes of Kilkenny who really have been the masters long term experience is no comparison Yeah. but short term wise Limerick are in a complete different place to where they were 18 months ago ah granted because they've played in two Munster finals they've played in an All-Ireland semi-final granted one that, they've li- one that they didn't perform in and those games will have brought them on in leaps and bounds if you look at their starting 15 on Sunday I think 13 of the 15 will have started the All-Ireland semi-final defeat to Clare a year ago Yeah. so that shows how settled they are and you have to say that they are experienced now in comparison to what they were a year ago not in comparison to the Shefflins and the Walshes and the Delaney's and mm. Tyrrells of this world mm. what team has that same level of experience well no Kenny team. are masters of that uh, blending the youth and experience yeah. thing they're I mean if you look at them over the last little while I suppose Walter Walsh but like generally they sort of wean players into it obviously Walter Walsh drip, is the kind of the uh, drip feed the ex- youth exception into the team. to that uh, but there's a great blend there Killian Buckley has just turned 22 Patrick Walsh is 22 Conor Fogarty just 24 and then the likes of JJ 32 Jackie 32 and on Larkin 30 it's it's the template. This is the template. We thought they were. Uh, we thought they'd kind of lost this yeah, template a little bit last year. We didn't think Brian Cody had the ability yeah. for some reason to reinvest youth into this team. So look, whoever made those sort of predictions, I probably was one of them. Completely wrong because it's Brian Cody. I mean, why doubt what he's achieved over the years? But I don't. Uh, that still isn't. It doesn't stop me putting an argument together for Limerick giving this game a serious go. Yeah. Well, look at the fact that you're saying it's going to be one of the most exciting games of the year. Presume, uh, presume by that you suspect that Limerick actually have a big chance of winning. I think it. they have a chance of winning the game. I will. I would still side with Kilkenny though, but I think Limerick have a great chance. Look, I went into the All Ireland quarter final weekend thinking this could be the greatest hurling weekend of this year. It was probably the worst. Yeah. So look, you can build your hopes up and you can end up with nothing. That could happen again this Sunday. I don't know will it be high scoring, but it's going to be intense, gripping, really close. I think it'll be a classic for maybe different reasons than say Clare Wexford was a classic, and probably just see Kilkenny shading it. All right. Well, off the ball Saturday from two o'clock and Sunday from one. Uh, Dave, I have to say, I've this is probably the podcast I've enjoyed the most. <laughs> I don't know who that's a reflection on, whether it's Na- Nathan or Gilroy or whoever. I think we all. But know. Uh, 